0: It's first in inches Our football team was like the kid that
1: plays Second French horn in the school band We gotta play better That's why I don't read
2: the newspaper Because it's garbage He had shoulder surgery on his elbow Shoulder, shoulder, shoulder surgery on his elbow All oh, the band is out on the field He's gonna
0: go into the end zone Well, first of all what kind of mythical powers does the Sun Devil have? We gotta consider that.
1: The kids are playing their tail off and the coaches are screwing it up. If worms had machine guns, then birds wouldn't be scared of
0: them. Southfield wide opens, gallon. They left him alone! Man, I don't know if anybody saw me trip on the way in. Did anybody
1: see that? <laughs> A lesser athlete would have gone down. And welcome back, sports fans, to a very special Rivalry Week edition of First and Inches, brought to you by Milwaukee Tool, nothing but heavy duty. I'm Kevin Wise, he's Patrick Smith, and if you can't tell, we're pumped up for the best week of college football, only comes once a year. Patrick, how are you?
0: Dude, I am great. How can you not be? This is the week we've been waiting for all year long. It's rivalry week. It's time for the game. I can't wait. I can't do anything but think about college football. Every piece of content I have consumed in the last 72 hours has been college football. We have watched you know, tons of the rivalry week already play out over... Thursday and Friday. We're recording this Friday night going into a huge slate Saturday, man, just nonstop action. Cannot wait to talk about it. Absolutely. You know, I think this
1: is what college football is all about. This is what really separates, you know, college football from the pros. We have one week where all the rivals get together. Um, Not only is this for bragging rights and pride, but there's huge, you know, um, conference championship and, and college football playoff implications on the line um this is about as big as it gets a couple huge games and you know selfishly a couple games that are close to our hearts um c- growing up as Notre Dame fans going to the University of Michigan a couple huge games that we're really going to keep our eyes on for a couple teams that i think we're probably pretty well tuned in compared to you know the average college football team
0: you know, I think after week 12, man, I just feel like we know way more about a lot of these teams. I feel like we can finally paint the picture of who these teams are these, this late into the season um, and actually dive in and take a stab at who we think are going to win some football games. I know me and you have been looking forward to to this game all year long. We've been talking about the Michigan-Ohio State game, so I think it's only right. We're going to bring on a couple extra special guests later in the show to break down Michigan and Ohio State in a ton of detail. We will start out by going through some other games in college football, but stay tuned to the end to hear some special guests and their insights on the game. Why don't we start with South Carolina at Clemson, Kev? Build a little drama.
3: Yeah,
1: absolutely. Unfortunately, it's pretty easy to build drama for this game after what we saw last week. So um, I know we talked about it last episode, but if you missed it, um, Tennessee goes into South Carolina. Basically, with what you could argue is the best road to the college football playoff, take care of business, beat South Carolina, take care of the the rest of the season. You're not going to be in the SEC championship game, and it looks like you have probably a guaranteed spot. Well, guess what? Spencer Rattler shows up, puts on the Superman cape, and just absolutely takes it to them. Now setting up a second straight week. Can South Carolina play spoiler again for a team with now a little bit more of an outside look at a possible college football playoff going to Clemson?
0: Yeah, so uh, South Carolina goes on the road in this one. Clemson is 14.5-point favorites in this game. Um, I think there's a, you know, a decent amount to talk about on both sides of the ball here. I mean, Clemson is a team that has underachieved all year with bigger talent in the trenches than they've been able to showcase. Um, and then South Carolina, it, it's really a tale of last week versus the rest of the season. Who is the South Carolina team that will show up in this game? um will Spencer Rattler show up like he did last week if so that's a much different South Carolina team any thoughts on um are you gonna take anybody against the spread in this one Kev yeah I'll I'll make a pick in this one um as I've
1: told you before sometimes for me it's not even about the team as much as it is the spread I think 14 and a half especially getting that half so that if, if um, you know, Clemson wins by two touchdowns. That's not even a push. For me, that's just a little bit too much. I don't think South Carolina is going to get it done, but I think they'll keep it within 14. Why do I think that? Look at the number of times that Clemson this year has really run over people that are, that are better teams. It hasn't been a lot. They just don't have the firepower they've had in past years. I think Will Shipley is a good running back. He's a serviceable back. He's probably an average ACC back. Maybe even upper echelon in the top two or three guys in the ACC. He's not one of the best running backs in the country. They obviously have questions at at quarterback. Um, That's kind of what's really hampered them this season. Um, And I think that South Carolina uh, is coming off a big game that's giving them some confidence. Uh, I do think it's going to be a little bit of a letdown spot. How many times can you emotionally get up in a row? Um, That was a huge win, but it's also going to be a little bit draining. I think that Wells on the outside for South Carolina is a legitimate wideout. I'll admit I didn't even, I knew he was kind of their number one guy, but I didn't know a ton about him going to last game. And man, he looked awesome against Tennessee. That being said, this Clemson defense ain't the Tennessee defense. This, This is a much better defense. This defensive line obviously has multiple first round picks on it. I think they're going to be able to get much more pressure on Spencer Rattler. He's going to look a little bit more like the uh, rattled Rattler that he can be sometimes. Um, so I think that Clemson understands they have an outside shot at the playoff. Uh, I think they're going to get it done in this one, but I don't think they're going to have,
0: you know, I don't think they're going
1: to be able to cover the spread.
0: We agree on this one, Kev. I think Clemson wins this game, but I do not think they cover 14.5. I think we see somewhere in between in terms of Spencer Rattler. Maybe not all the way to rattled Rattler, maybe rattled Rattler at times. Um, But I think he can flash a little bit on the offensive side of the ball here for South Carolina. Um, Basically, I think South Carolina can play to the level that, you know, to somewhere near where Notre Dame did it in this game. I don't think South Carolina is a a very bad football team. And I think Clemson has flaws this year. And so um, I think Clemson will escape this game with a win, but I, I don't think they will cover 14 and a half.
1: Lock it in. We're both we're both on uh South Carolina here.
0: That's probably like the double curse. Clemson yeah. by a billion.
1: Yeah. Agreed. Clemson winning this one by thirty now. All right. Let's move to the uh SEC here. The Iron Bowl. Which I will say, just let me a little bit of nostalgia. You know, I graduated in, in uh twenty fourteen. The college football season of 2013 was my senior year in college. Back when I was pretty tuned into the sport, you know, had friends all over the country, different colleges. And I remember November 30th, 2013, bring in the redshirt freshman kicker, 57-yard kick, 28-28, Iron Bowl, misses it short, kick six, arguably the best finish Number one against number four. Arguably the best finish in the history of any rivalry game ever. That's not going to be this game. Uh, (laughs) That was great, um, but that's not going to be what's happening here. Um, Pat, what are your thoughts on this year's Iron Bowl?
0: Yeah, so Alabama hosts this year, 22-point favorites. Um, Interesting situation with the programs. Auburn now with an interim coach. um, Fired their old coach. They now have Cadillac Williams in there um Cadillac Williams I uh, love the vibes he's brought to the team you know seems to have rallied the guys together really easy guy to root for I think on Auburn's side of the ball Tank Bigsby is going to you know I think he's going to get some work in this game I think he's going to be able to run the ball more than people would expect I think Auburn can get some stuff done on the ground in this game um and I guess where I boil it down to with this Alabama team is I don't think Alabama is as good Um, as a lot of people think that they are this year, and I still think those lines and the spreads in their games are lagging slightly behind. Uh, Alabama could certainly blow out Auburn. They're the better football team. Auburn is severely outmatched in this game, but I don't think Alabama is that ruthlessly efficient to get 22 points in this game. I got Auburn covering. I think they get blown out. It's probably in between a two and three touchdown game, but I just think 22 is too much.
1: I think I'm kind of right there with you. Um, you know, this one kind of reminds me of the Michigan Michigan State game in a way. It's a big rivalry game, but you clearly have one team that, that is just more talented, uh, more experienced than the other. You have some kind of um, head coaching questions that are swirling around the team that's the underdog. The favored team is at home. There's a lot of parallels. That being said, sometimes in rivalry games, the spread is just too big. I personally wouldn't bet this one because you also add in, though, you're at the end of the season for Bama. I think a lot of their players don't really think they have a lot to play for, even though I think they have an outside shot to play off, as crazy as that sounds. So you wonder are a lot of these guys going to be checked out? Are some of these guys looking ahead to the NFL draft a la someone like Will Anderson? You know, I don't know, but I think it's a possibility. Um, so if I had to bet, I would bet an Auburn just on the principle that these games, maybe Auburn, you know, the guys want to play for a new head coach, a guy, you know, a former player, they want to play hard for him, they'll, they'll keep it a little bit closer. Um, one thing I want to touch on in Auburn though, just because again, I've had one stick all year and I know the transitive property doesn't always work. But Auburn at home has played LSU and Penn State this year. I just want to take a trip back through memory lane and let's see how Auburn performed against Penn State, who's ranked 11th right now, and LSU, who's ranked 5th. Both two lost teams, Penn State, who's lost again to the second and third best team in the country in Michigan and Ohio State, and LSU, who got absolutely boat race, whooped at home by Tennessee, now a two-loss team by 27 who also lost to florida state who has three losses so when i look back through the auburn schedule i see that on september 17th penn state came to auburn and won 41 to 12 two weeks later lsu came to town and won 21 to 17 just another little data point there for all the people who want to come in my mentions and tell me that lsu is better than penn state no they're not they never have been they won't be and i hope they meet in a bowl game but i'm getting a little off track anyway i would pick i would take the points here I don't know if the Bama players have a lot to play for.
0: You know, a direct message to Boo Corrigan and the college football playoff committee. This will not end. We will never get Kevin to stop talking about Penn State and LSU. If you guys don't figure this out, you're putting me through hell here. Please figure out your ranking so Kevin can stop talking about this every 15 minutes. Please, Boo. I'm begging.
1: Just give us just give me what I want. Just give me LSU and Penn State in the bowl game.
0: That's all Kevin needs. Um so so far through two games, rivalry week, Kevin and I have thrown out the records. We've picked the underdogs to cover the spreads, which means, you know, it's going to be blowouts for the favorites. But let's move to the next one. Uh a big game for undefeated TCU, the Hypno Toad continues to march on they have their last game of the regular season they host iowa state tcu is 10 point favorites in this one um trying to close out an undefeated regular season with once again everything on the line
1: give me tcu this time and give me tcu big it's time i don't know why i've got this feeling I think that we are not on TCU like we should be. I think there is something to that. These guys find a way to get it done. And they have had, I don't want to call it a gauntlet because I think that the big 12 is probably a little bit overrated and there probably aren't a bunch of bad teams, but there is one bad team and it's Iowa state. They're they're not good. I understand Matt Campbell has been a good coach. Yeah, they can kind of, the only thing that makes me nervous, they muck it up a little bit. Uh, maybe they could keep it low scoring. I think if I'm at Campbell, I try to make this game something like a 12 to nine, you know, and really slow them down. They can't stay with Miller out of the backfield. They can't guard Johnston. You know what I mean? On the outside. Um, I do think that, that Sonny Dyke says, you know what? I'm sick of hearing about this. If I can put 40 in these guys, I'm going to try to do it. I like TCU and I like them big.
0: Yeah, I mean, Iowa State, probably known as one of the friskier, more annoying teams to come up against in college football. Just as you said, they muck it up every time. It's Matt Campbell's masterpiece, his strategy. They play low-scoring defensive football games and try and bite you. Um, I think they have a chance to do it in this game because I think they have a chance to do it in almost every game they play. It's just who they are. Um, But I think TCU has the biggest difference makers in this game, and I think those individuals are going to show out here. Max Duggan, Johnson, the passing game of TCU is probably the best factor in this game. TCU has started to show they have a reasonable defense. I'm not sure Iowa State can score enough points to cover here. I think this spread is like right near the number I would put it at. I think TCU probably wins this by something between 10 and 14 points. Um, but yeah, everything's pointing towards the hypno toad here. I trust in the hypno toad. Let's have an undefeated season. Why don't we TCU?
1: Boom. Lock
0: it in TCU. Why don't we talk in a little more depth about one more game here? Um, let's talk about Notre Dame, the school that we both grew up fans as before going to the university of Michigan in their biggest game of the season, their perennial rivalry, one of the other great rivalries in sports. It's Notre Dame at USC, the battle for the jeweled.
1: Yeah, man, this, this is a tough game for me to pick not only outright, but also spread Um, I have it at four and a half right now. Uh, game is obviously in Southern California. It'll be played at the Coliseum. Four and a half for me, I will probably lean Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame is definitely a better team than, uh, UCLA. USC can only take care of them by three. I do believe in Caleb Williams. I think Caleb Williams is the best football player in the country. I think there's a decent margin there. I think that you put Caleb Williams on almost any other roster and they're undefeated. Do I see an avenue where Notre Dame lines up with the offensive line that has rounded into the form at the end of the season that we thought they were going to be in the beginning of the season? One of the best offensive lines in the country now, probably, and bullies them? Absolutely. And then I see an avenue where back when Caleb Williams gets the ball, he's running for his life from Isaiah Foskey. I, al- I also see that as a possibility. Uh, I think this probably ends with a USC win close. But I wouldn't be surprised Notre Dame wins it. So I would take uh, Notre Dame in the points here.
0: Kev, I think we're going to end up agreeing on all four games we talked about before, the Michigan-Ohio State game. I also have Notre Dame in this game. Um, We'll start off with just the situation for both teams. Uh, USC has the benefit of being at home, but USC coming off of a much more emotionally charged game than Notre Dame here. Uh, USC probably targeting UCLA through the second half of this season as the biggest game remaining on their schedule, the game that would decide the conference for them. Um, And not so much looking at that big, that usually massive Notre Dame rivalry game that ends the season. Um, So I think Notre Dame has probably had the ability to hone in on USC a little more than USC has been able to prepare for this game. I think USC is in a bit of a hangover spot here after a very emotional, you know, last minute type of victory against UCLA. Um, And then at the end of the day, I think USC has the best player in this game, but I still think that Notre Dame is a better team. Um, And I especially think that there is a massive mismatch in this game. And that's that I think Notre Dame is just going to run and run and run and run and run this entire game. Uh, USC has the 123rd best rush defense in the country. Not good. Notre Dame is just going to put their tight ends on the field. They're going to put bodies on USC's guys, and they're going to try and run this game to death. Um, I don't think they're going to need to expose themselves to a lot of risk. I think they will actually have a good amount of success on the ground here. So I like Notre Dame. I like the Fighting Irish to cover the spread here, and I like them outright. Man, I – this is the
1: game where I'm most torn about, again, just taking ND outright as well. I, I just think that, I think Caleb Williams has a little more, a little more magic, but it would not, this is the most, um, if I had to, I'll take the points for sure. And this is the most 50, 50 game for me tomorrow where I, I really, I think, I think Notre Dame probably has a better roster than USC does. Um, I'm still not completely convinced the Irish have fully rounded into their complete form of what they could be. I don't like how they fall asleep at the wheel against Navy, but I don't put a ton of stock in that the same way. I don't put a ton of stock in beating BC forty-four zero. zero. I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't mean a ton to me. They're, they're similar to what I thought they were. Um, if, if Drew Pine plays even Slightly above average quarterback play. Notre Dame wins this game. But it's just hard to win a road game against a decent team who has a Heisman winning quarterback if your quarterback is throwing multiple picks. So that, that to me is the biggest. If Drew Pine turns it over, I would say less than two times. I'll give him one. He has two turnovers. I think Notre Dame loses.
0: Yeah, and I think Notre Dame's route to getting to that point is not having to expose Drew Pine to doing much in this game. I think if Notre Dame can find their success on the ground, they can take control of this game and keep Caleb Williams off the field. And I think all those pieces of the puzzle just fit perfectly in this matchup. I think Notre Dame will be able to run the ball. I think they will be able to chew up the clock. I think they will be able to keep Caleb Williams off the field and will be able to not expose Drew Pine to a lot of uncomfortable situations. And then I think the game's going to get in an uncomfortable position for USC where they end up making more mistakes. That's just the way I see this one playing out. Obviously, I still think Caleb Williams is the type of guy that could win any game on his own. So we'll see. That's why they play the games, and this is going to be a fun one.
1: Yeah, this is the only game of the weekend – that I could realistically see either team winning big. I can see I could see Notre Dame winning this 35-10 and just running for 350 legitimately almost 400 yards. I could see Notre Dame having 400 yards on the ground. I mean, they could have, you know, digs Estime, Tyree could break off a few big ones. Um the same time, I could see Caleb Williams just going Superman again and Notre Dame not playing, uh, someone of his, of his caliber besides obviously, you know, Drake may earlier in the year.
0: All right, Kev, obviously we need to talk about Michigan versus Ohio state, but why don't we briefly just see if you have any thoughts on any of the other games coming up Saturday? Um, we got Oregon, Oregon state, we got Penn state, Michigan state, any thoughts on any of the other games out there on Saturday? Um, Oregon, Oregon state is intriguing.
1: Um, you know, Oregon state is like a non PAC 12 PAC 12 team. Maybe I've been too hard on them. They obviously played USC really well at home earlier in the year. Um, Oregon is a very, Oregon's timeline this year is very interesting to me, especially from the perspective of Dan Lanning, who uh, all of a sudden last week against Utah, the defense looked a lot better. And you might wonder if that defensive guru is starting to call the plays a little bit more now than he was before after the Oregon defense looked like it could have been a little bit suspect. How healthy is Bo Nix? I think that's a huge question. I don't really like taking picks on games when I don't know if probably the most important player in the game is at full strength or not. Um, So that makes me a little bit nervous there. Um, When I think about Penn State, uh, Michigan State, I think Penn State is um, a good to great team that just happens to play in objectively the toughest division in football, so they don't get the credit they deserve, but that's well documented on this show. I think that Michigan State is extremely unpredictable. They obviously had a huge win and kind of sent Illinois' season spiraling However, you know, there's so many different things swirling around about the program and and the coach right now that that's not um, that's just not a game where I, I feel like I can't even key in on how those guys are feeling and how motivated they will be for this one.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, I don't have much to add. I think you covered those two pretty well. Uh, Bo Nick's health, obviously the biggest factor going into that game. I think Oregon will get that game done. I think Bo Nix will probably be a touch healthier, um, able to do a touch more. And I think Oregon's defense has looked better down the stretch here. I don't think Oregon State is built to take advantage of any weakness that is uh, Oregon's secondary. So I like Oregon in that game. And then the Penn State-Michigan State game, Penn State seems like a program that has been improving, starting to gel more, able to do more things on the offensive side of the ball down the stretch. Michigan State looks like a program that's a little bit reeling and a little bit of disarray coming off of just a really bad loss at the end of the game to Indiana. Um, I'm not sure there's a number or a spread here that would make me want to pick Michigan State. So I guess whatever the number you gave me, I think – I would probably pick Penn State here. I think the number is somewhere around like 19 or something like that. So regardless of the number, I think I'd take Penn State as a a program that's moving in the right direction, getting a team at home who is in a little bit of a difficult spot. Why don't we, uh, before moving on, just touch a little bit on some other games around college football. Kind of a weird week this week with Rivalry Week and Thanksgiving. We get lots of games sprinkled throughout the rest of the week. Um, So where we are in college football right now, um, we had some games on Thursday, specifically the big one to discuss would be um, Mississippi State going on the road and winning the Egg Bowl over Ole Miss 24 to 22. And then we had some games sprinkled throughout the day. Today, Friday, we had NC State in a rivalry game um, going on the road and beating North Carolina, upsetting them 30 to 27. Um, we had Tulane versus Cincinnati in a matchup. Um, two teams fighting for big bowl games on the line. Uh, number 19, Tulane versus number 24, Cincinnati. Tulane came out with the win earlier today, 27 to 24. Um, and then we had Texas playing earlier today, beating Baylor 38-27. Kevin, uh, a lot of action kind of already taken place in college football. Um, the last game in action right now is Florida, Florida State. Florida down 14 to Florida State in the fourth quarter. Kevin, any takeaways from all the other stuff going on in college football that we didn't get a chance to preview?
1: Yeah, uh, I guess we can start on the Thanksgiving game. I was able to catch a little bit of the uh, Egg Bowl, old Miss, Mississippi State. A um, little bit of controversy with Jackson Darts, you know, questionable uh, backwards pass. Again, technically, the rule states that if a pass is a direct lateral, then it is therefore lateral. And I think it was direct, uh, directly lateral at best. Looked like it was probably a little bit of a backwards pass, so I think fumble was the right call there. Did the refs blow the whistle a little prematurely? Sure. So a little bit of controversy surrounding that, but this just proves the thing that we've said the whole time: Old Miss isn't that good. Old Miss, you know, it, it was pumped up to give Alabama a good win. Alabama has no really good wins this year, um, so I wasn't that I wasn't that surprised. I think that this was Mike Leach's third shot at Old Miss, and he he lost his first two. Knew he had to get this one done. Was a little bit ugly. But um, congrats to them. We'll see what happens with the rest of the Oldness program, whether Lane Kiffin actually stays or it seems like he's got one foot out the door, or at least that's what it seems like on a lot of the boards here. Um, yeah, I mean,
0: that play there by Jackson Dart, pretty, you know, I think the craziest part to me there was the fact that even watching the replay, you can clearly see that the whistle must have gone off and Olmis doesn't make any attempt to go for the ball, likely because of that whistle. Uh, Mississippi State barely even made a obvious attempt at the ball he kind of picked it up off of like the Ole Miss players ankles as nobody else grabbed it it it, it was just very strange and clearly the whistle influenced Ole Miss's ability to continue to play through the game so I totally get why Lane Kiffin was ticked off about the way that the refs played out that play
1: yeah it's a weird uh way to call it I think that there, you have to kind of own it as the ref and say, Hey, I, I blew the play dead. And, um, you know, that's going to really upset a lot of the Mississippi state fans, but whenever a plays that funky and all the players are standing around looking at it, you're really going to re- reward a huge play to the other team. Um, I think that's unfair. I think it was a fumble, but I think the refs, you know, the real fumble in the plays by the refs, the refs fumble that play themselves. So, um, unfortunate that it goes down that way but again you know old miss if you thought you deserved to win the game you should have put them away and you didn't you know you were actually playing from behind at that point so um that is what it is um i think i think old miss now falls kind of where they are maybe a slightly above average sec team about an average sec team they're about the same team that mississippi state is except that one chooses to run the ball one chooses to throw the ball that's about the only difference between those two teams neither of them play much defense um So, kind of a whatever game for me. Um, Tulane, Cincinnati.
0: Green Wave.
1: Yeah, congrats to the Green Wave. Um, Great story this year. Uh, I think probably a a major uh, factor in this one is obviously Bryant, starting quarterback for Cincinnati, uh, didn't play. If you don't know a lot about this, Evan Prater was probably one of the highest uh, recruits in Cincinnati history. Big quarterback recruit, good get for them. Um, but it just shows you when, you know, when you are a freshman coming in in a tough spot like this, you don't have a ton of game experience that creates a ton of instability and they lose by three at home. If they had a little bit better quarterback play, they probably would have pulled this one out. He was 10 of 26 for 102 yards, no touchdowns and an interception. That's just a really tough spot to throw a guy into who doesn't have a ton of experience.
0: Yeah. Tulane with a, a huge win for their program here. They'll host the AAC title now. Spears is an absolute dog. Their running back is a beast. Um really fun to watch that team play. I've had a great time. I love the green wave.
1: Looking at some of these other ones, um, Florida State, uh, Florida right now as it stands, Florida State up uh 3824 over Florida. Did I learn a lot about that that Florida State's up fourteen no, um you know after Florida state uh beats Florida, maybe they can step up their game and play Vanderbilt um you know who Florida can't beat anymore, but um Florida's a mess uh Florida State looks like a pretty decent team um who has an identity now they can run the ball they've got some athletes there on the defensive line as well um Don't think they're quite in that next echelon of teams after that. They're probably, you know, like Florida State's probably in that kind of frisky Utah territory of pretty good but not great. Um, So that didn't surprise me. Uh, Florida and Anthony Richardson is just not it. Um, Right now, Anthony Richardson is 5 of 18 for 151 yards, three touchdowns and an interception. That's arguably the oddest stat line for a quarterback I have personally ever seen. Um, But that's kind of how Anthony Richardson plays. It hasn't
0: looked pretty in action either.
1: Yeah. I do want to touch on, though, also um, a team that I kind of I want to. Let's talk about UCLA. Let's just call them out for a second here. Their last three games. You lose at home to Arizona. Woof. Who is is, uh, a bottom quarter Pac-12 team.
0: They're a nematode. They're nothing. They
1: they, lo- they then lose to USC. Fine. Kept a close rivalry game. They barely beat Cal here. You know, they beat Cal 35-28. And again, because it's a sleeper in the Pac-12, it's not going to get a lot of love. We're not going to talk about it a lot. Another big game for Zach Charbonnet. But UCLA's not good. They're just not. You know They don't put people away. Um, you want to know what's
0: not fun, Kev? What betting on UCLA? Don't do that on a holiday weekend. Don't do it to yourself. It's not worth it.
1: No, UCLA's just not good, and their their past defense is absolutely terrible. Um, the pack 12 I just have more. I have more questions. Maybe maybe USC's a phony. No, Notre Dame might thump them. I don't know.
0: Who isn't a phony this year? Let's be real. It might be the year of the phonies. I,
1: you know, it's interesting. I think. It, Is is there a possibility that even if all four of the top four teams lose, which I know isn't really well, it's possible. Okay, the winner of Michigan Ohio State could go on and lose the Big Ten championship, so it's possible even if all four of these teams lose, should all four still go? Do we already know who the four best teams are?
0: I think we kind of do. Like Um, uh, you
1: know, really LSU USC. I mean, the gap to me is so big between four and five. It's like these four teams are not perfect, but they have proven that they have the number one thing that a good team has to have and that's consistency you know good teams aren't inconsistent they've won all they've won the games and they all have at least an impressive win on their resume so you know I think there could even be an argument made that even if all these teams drop a game we should just maybe scramble up the order a little bit but they all still go
0: speaking of top four teams dropping a game I think it's time I think it's finally time for us to talk about the game. You know, we've waited all year for this one. It's the clash of Michigan and Ohio State in Columbus. The biggest, the best rivalry in college football, maybe in all of sports. 59, 51, and six in favor of Michigan is the all-time breakdown. Michigan won 42-27 to last year, Ohio State won the previous eight. We go into Saturday, it will be 1,092 days since Ohio State last beat Michigan, and it will be 22 years since Michigan beat Ohio State two years in a row. It will be the game of the season, the highest ranked matchup of Michigan and Ohio State since the game of the century in 2006. It will be number two versus number three in a game that will decide the division, the conference, the college football playoffs, and maybe even the Heisman Trophy. Let's get into it. And to start things off, why don't we bring a couple extra people in to talk about things. Joining us to break down the game we have. Archit Sahai calling in from Cincinnati, Ohio, an Ohio State alum, and we also have Trevor Tooley calling in from Michigan, a University of Michigan alum. So we have three Wolverines and one Buckeye with us today. Archit, welcome. How's it going?
3: Thanks, Pat. Going well. Going well. Excited for the game tomorrow.
0: Trevor, good to have you with us. How are you doing?
2: Pat and Kev, good to be here. Excited to talk some football and some Michigan, of course. I can't believe I remember exactly where I was last time this happened. I was sitting in my sixth grade classroom talking to one of my buddies about how desperately we needed a win. And honestly, it was a horrible weekend, and I'm hoping it's different this time.
0: All right, Kev. Why don't we let you take your first stab at this one? We've been talking about it for weeks and weeks and weeks. Where do you sit right now with this game? What are you thinking about? How are you feeling going into Saturday?
1: Yeah, so we obviously had our recap of last week, and that's the last time we discussed both of these teams and kind of the landscape of the Big Ten conference in general. Um, I feel similar to how I did last weekend. I think that the thing that stood out to me most about Ohio State was really their depth. And to me, that really speaks to where Ohio State is still one step ahead of Michigan as a program. They, they have more guys when their two top running backs go down. Um, Dallin Hayden comes in, looks like an all Big Ten caliber player. Um, to me, what that really provides is there are more ways Ohio State can win this game. I think we all agree that if it becomes a shootout, probably in favor of the Buckeyes, now it looks like they have a legit run game, even if their two top backs are down. Uh, I think Michigan still has a chance here, and we all know that it's going to be the same kind of game plan as it was last year. Try to bludgeon them to death, really um, kind of control the ball, run it, and then hopefully get some pressure on the quarterback. And now um have too many explosive plays. And then the X-Factor, Jake Moody. But I ultimately think that Ohio State has more avenues to win this Um, especially in a game where there's probably not going to be any precipitation. It's probably not going to be snowy, and it's in Columbus. Too many variables pointing the way the Buckeyes in opinion. All right, I
0: think, Kev, you bring up a really important thing to probably talk about at the start of discussing this game, and that's there's a lot of injuries on both sides, and it's not just your run-of-the-mill guys. These are big impact players on both sides of the ball. Um, I think we go into this game with a lot of question marks on who's going to be even on the field for both teams. Uh, Archit, Ohio State has some guys who have been knocked up, banged up, and questionable for this game. What can you tell us about who you think might be on the field and might be out tomorrow?
3: Um, it's it's going to be interesting, right? Is uh, To Kev's point, we have Hayden, who's going to be great for us, but ideally we have these two studs of Henderson and Mayan Williams. I actually think Henderson will try to play. There's no, no one's come out and said that he won't quite yet. I don't know if he'll be limited though in his snaps. So I'm expecting that Hayden probably gets the most, most of the carries tomorrow. Um, Mayan last time I saw him had a boot on and this goes towards everyone this week is everyone's being hush hush on injuries in general, which I think to the bigger point is like, is Jackson Smith and Jigba playing in this game? Do we know? Like, I think that could be such a rabbit to pull out of the hat is like if he comes out and he's lined up in the slot um, with our receivers already, that I think could, I don't know if Michigan's already game planning for it, but that becomes a whole different game to me if somehow he's able to go um, tomorrow.
0: Yeah. So, I you know, I think that would be probably one of the crazier guys to suit up. It seems like he hasn't been really ready to go here for a minute. Um, Henderson played last week. Try, or at least tried to give it a go out there. He did not look like normal Travion Henderson. I think he had 11 carries for 19 yards. Um, so him being a little more healthy would be a, a major shakeup for them as well. Michigan, on the other hand, has a lot of injuries um, from the last couple of weeks. Uh, Michigan's run game specifically was down five key roles um, in that scheme um, last week. Uh, Corum and Edwards, obviously the two running backs out, they also were down um, one of their big blocking tight ends, Schoonmaker, um, as well as uh, two offensive linemen, Keegan and Jones. It seems like the projections here are that Corum seems all right, probably good to go, seems more along the lines of something like a bruise. Um, you know, I think social media saw him out and about delivering turkeys with his NIL money. Um, he looked okay. He seemed to tell reporters that he was okay. So I think Michigan will see him at least out on the field for – a portion of this game. Edwards also might be good to work through his hand injury is the rumor. Um, well, I think we'll kind of have to see Michigan being really hush-hush as well about whether he can go. Um, the nice news for Michigan, it seems like um, all of those bigger bodies on the line should be back and ready to go. Um, both the tight ends and the linemen um, more healthy for this one. Uh, Trev, why don't we hear what you're thinking um, coming into this game from the Maize and Blue side of things?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think to the point of injuries, I mean, I think every team always wants to kind of throw that up and I hate always coming off like the guy who's making an excuse before the games even started about, you know, my team not performing. But to me, honestly, one of the less spoken about X factors for the offensive side is Schoonmaker. If you look at JJ as a passer, which I think he will have to be in order for Michigan to pull off a win here, I don't really think we're going to have the crushing, rushing, um, effort that we had last year necessarily and so i think the passing game is going to be key and jj is in rhythm when schoonmaker is on the field the guy's getting like five six seven eight targets a game he's like a really reliable short yardage target and i think him being there matters more to me than Corum because i think we can always find a back i mean gash looked okay like now he's got a part of a game experience
0: trevor getting a little pompous over here heisman running back doesn't even matter. I could care less.
2: I could certainly. I don't know. I, I think an, a half injured quorum is not necessarily better than, you know, the a third fully guy
0: healthy gash. You think a half injured quorum is worse than? I love you. I can say a gash. Big play last Probably week. Did. I mean,
2: look at okay. If listen, if Harbaugh goes in this game, is like, oh well, last year we just ran off tackle. Like, Ohio State's absolutely prepared for the running scheme of last year. So, Are we? Are we? We're going to find out. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. We're going to stack the
0: box. I know that. (laughs) All right, Kev, you're probably the 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 biggest home field advantage guy around. Uh, This game going to be at Ohio State instead of at Michigan last year. We also have a little bit of – weather switch up. We had a devastating dusting of snow last year. Uh, this year, looks like it's going to be 0% chance of precipitation and sunny.
1: Yeah, I think that matters. Um, I don't think that necessarily if there were to be precipitation, Ohio State doesn't have a chance. And I don't think that just because it's a nice day that Michigan doesn't have a shot either. But I think obviously the more Michigan kind of wants to slow it down and and muck up the game a little bit. I I think that if there are more than, you know, four or five passing plays in the game from either side of 40 plus yards, it probably doesn't end well for the Wolverines. I mean, that's just probably the truth of the matter. Um, But I put way more stock into it being a home game. You know, I think that if you look at the two teams from last year, if they play that game in Columbus, what probably happens? Ohio State probably wins. I, I think that's the truth. And if this game somehow were played in Ann Arbor, would I feel better about it? Absolutely, I would. So I, I think that's the real um, tiebreaker for me. If I think that both these teams are, are evenly matched, I look at um, Ohio State, again, is having a little more depth playing at home. you You have to you have to favor them.
0: All right, Kev, I think that that kind of covered a few different angles of that game. Why don't we take our stab at how we think the biggest game in college football this year will play out tomorrow morning? Um, Kev, you want to start us off with how you think this one finishes?
1: Yeah, sure. I'll give you an X factor, too, and I'll tell you why I'm kind of thinking that. Um yeah, I'm probably going to have a lot of friends, um, other Wolverines in my mentions uh, for this one. That's totally fine. Um, I'm going to go big. I think Ohio State is out for absolute blood in this game. I'm going to go 42-24 Buckeyes. Um, I think that the – and if I have an X factor, just to show you I actually do watch these games, I'm going to go Tommy Eichenberg. Um, I think that Ohio State does not have a ton of depth at linebacker, uh, but I think that – I think they are – we talked about this earlier. They're improved on the defensive line from last year for sure. Um, I think they clearly have more talented guys up there. Zach Harrison obviously coming to his own, more of a pass rusher. I think uh, Tui Molau, sorry if I mispronounced that, but I think he's a more versatile player on the line. You can you can clearly tell he's got some very uni- a unique skill set. I think those guys can eat up blocks a little bit. And Tommy Eichenberg is quietly one of the better linebackers in the Big Ten, if not the country. I think if he can step up and turn some of those – even eight, nine yard runs into a first tackle, a three, four yard run and push Michigan back into kind of longer third downs. I think that makes for a really long game.
0: All right. Kev has Michigan getting blown out in a big one. Uh, why don't we go to the other side of the ball? Arch it. The Buckeye. What you got in this one? Who will be in Columbus tomorrow, by the way?
3: Which is going to be Crazy. Crazy, crazy. Um, still can't find a place to even eat before the game, so I'll, I'll let you know how that goes. But I think as far as uh, predictions, I have it a little bit closer because obviously I can't expect us to ever blow anyone out. So I have 35-24 Buckeyes. Um, I think to Kev's point, I don't, I don't know. There's probably a lot of things that will be fluid in this game. The person I'm most interested to see play, I will say CJ Stroud, but I think as far as who I think will be the biggest X factor, I think um, Stover for us, I think doesn't quite, I think a lot of other people get a lot of love on our receiving core. I think for especially for a Michigan game where you guys are going to be so focused on making sure that we're not able to blow the top off the defense, we're going to need, need Stover to work some of these 10 to 15 yard in routes especially around your linebackers to almost have a chance. So I think he and Stroud need to be on the same page for us to even start to talk about opening up this offense the way everyone thinks it's going to go tomorrow.
0: All right. That's two in the Buckeyes column. Trevor, are you going to switch it up or do you have the Buckeyes winning this one as well?
2: Honestly, I don't think I could ever select the Buckeyes. I'm just, Born and raised Michigan, that's just where I'm at. I own it. It's fine. So I think Michigan's gonna pull it off. But unlike you guys, I think if Michigan, if I'm gonna take the step to say Michigan's gonna pull it off, I think it's gonna be by clock management, lower scoring affair, keeping Stroud off the field and trudging their way down. Um so I'm gonna go with a twenty to seventeen near near victory with Senior Moody taking the win for us. I think Michigan's X factor, to be honest though, is JJ's play. If, J- if we're going to win, JJ has to play smart, play fast, be creative. He's probably going to have to do more than he's done in previous games for us to pull it off. So I think he's the most important on our
0: side. All right, there we go. Ching-ching, we finally got one for the maze and blue. And I guess that leaves it with me. Uh, I, like Trevor, will take the Wolverines in this game. So I think this game is – honestly, pretty similar to last year. You know, I think both teams are in a similar place. I think um, Michigan's run offense a little bit better than last year. Uh, Ohio State's run defense um, moderately better than last year probably gives them a little bit of an edge because I think they've improved on that side of the ball. Um, But I'm not convinced that Ohio State's offense is going to have a walk in the park here with Michigan. I They have gone up against some teams with comparable run defenses, and they really just haven't looked very good. Um, Against Penn State, probably the closest comparison to what Michigan can do to stop the run game. Less than 100 yards on the ground, 3.8 yards per carry. Um, That's not going to win you a game against Michigan. You're going to have to probably do a little more than that um, or risk being a little one-dimensional in the pass game. I think on the other side of the ball, I think – Um, A lot of people who have watched Michigan play the last couple of weeks have seen probably Michigan's floor in the passing game. And I think a lot of that falls on what I think the X factor in this game is, which is Michigan's wide receivers. Um, If you watch the Illinois game, you can see that Michigan is leaving tons of yards on the table in the passing game. And there is not that big of a jump that they need to take to significantly improve in that area. I think there's balls, you know, we saw at least two or three that could have been touchdowns for Michigan in the passing game that were either a missed throw of an open receiver or a missed catch crossing the goal line. Um, I think those plays, you can see Michigan make a couple more of them in this game. I have them winning a low-scoring game, probably coming away with a couple touchdowns here. Uh, I'll go 26-23, Michigan getting another four or so field goals from Moody, Um, but controlling this one in the trenches similar to last year?
1: I think, you know, looking past the game, I think we're in a very unique place in this rivalry. And I'm saying that because I think that the difference between the mentality of the Ohio State and the Michigan players getting aside the talent, and we've talked about that before and where where the programs are at, is that before – Michigan players thought they could win the game, and I think that Ohio State players always think they will win the game. And we are on that verge of these Michigan players now. Almost all the players in the Michigan roster, because of winning last year and the COVID year, a lot of these players have actually never lost to Ohio State. They understand that you know the, when the rivalry goes back, that that you know however many you know it's like fourteen out of the last fifteen, whatever whatever it is. But I think that if I think Ryan Day understands if Michigan gets this one, because then you go back to Ann Arbor again, once as an accident, twice as a coincidence, three times as a pattern. And I think that you let Michigan get this one at home. Your things are really starting to change. And that's a scary thought. You don't want to let that happen. So I think that he really understands the importance of this game, but I still think that the Michigan players are starting to think we will win this game when the Ohio state players are all there. And I think that's where you're starting to see that the mentality kind of change.
3: It's really interesting to hear you say that. Cause I was just reading an article this morning from USA today that said like Ryan days head coaching job should be on the line if we lose tomorrow, which is like an absurd statement to make for someone that is so incredibly successful. But I think it speaks to your point that, like, if we were to lose tomorrow at home with this talented of a team, that is like that changes culture and changes mindset in a way that I don't think as Ohio fans we would have had to deal dealt with for quite a period of time, and it would have be an interesting limbo to go back to. So I think, like I've lived since I've been an Ohio State fan in this fantasy world of like you're saying, I expect to win these games and for. Like even losing last year, I think I told Pat, I was like, yeah, we lost one. I expect at some point we're going to, but that doesn't change my mindset of us being um, the better team. So I think you're right in saying that it would feel different losing this one at home with this talented of a team would be a whole different type of loss that might change culture too.
0: Yeah, I think this could be a massive moment in the rivalry if Michigan's able to win this one. Um, totally for the reasons you guys said. Twenty years since Michigan has won this game twice in a row. Um, so yeah, that that could be massive. I think an Ohio State win also massive for them. You know, just we've kind of not even mentioned everything that's on the table with this game. With basically everything programs set out at the start of the season to achieve this is the division the conference the college football playoffs and a chance at the national title everything is on the line here so obviously this is a massive game for both teams as it's honestly crazy how big of a game this is that's what makes this game so tight spooky All right, boys. Well, thank you so much for joining us to break down that game. That was awesome. Why don't we keep you guys around just a little bit longer and dive into a little quick breakdown of how we think the college football playoff might um, play out after some massive games that will pretty much decide a lot of things down the next two weeks.
1: Sure. So I'll take the lead here. Um... I think this is the first domino to fall um, chronologically noon game. I do think, as I mentioned last week, it's very interesting to me that the committee put LSU ahead of USC. I do think that leaves the door open for a Michigan or Ohio state loser to possibly get in. I think Ohio state has positioned themselves a little bit better. They clearly have a better resume in the eyes of the, Of the committee. I think that's probably fair given their win against Notre Dame, which now looks a lot stronger. Um, I think Notre Dame has a chance tomorrow to strengthen that even more against USC. Like I said, it's almost like we've seen Notre Dame play against a potential Heisman winning quarterback on the road and win a la, you know, UNC. I think that USC is a little bit better team top to bottom than UNC is, but I think that Notre Dame win could help. So that being said, the way I kind of see this thing shaking out Um, is I think that I think Georgia is going to roll. I don't see them losing to Georgia Tech. I don't see them losing to LSU because, like I said, I think LSU is probably the most overrated team in the country. They're not even close to the fifth best team in the country, though. Hopefully Georgia steamrolls them to where they should be placed. Um, Ohio State will win and then Ohio State will take care of whoever shows up in the joke of, uh, you know, Big Ten West. They'll go to the championship game. Congratulations for that um i think i think tcu is going to handle business i have a little more faith in tcu than most people do i think you know they um they've proven that they can do this and i think the rest of the big 12 actually is a little bit overrated um starting with texas so whoever gets there i think tcu will take care of business and then what i think is maybe a little bit different than everyone else is i think clemson is going to slide in there i don't i don't necessarily think that USC will lose Notre Dame, but I don't see USC doing it two weeks in a row against Notre Dame. And then again in the Pac-12 championship, I think they're going to drop one. I think Clemson's going to slide in there. Um, So that will shake out where I think the one against four is going to be Georgia Clemson. I think Clemson just doesn't have the horses this year. I think we've all seen that. This isn't the traditional Clemson team. I think they really are suffering from that lack of consistent quarterback play that you're going to need in a playoff game to get a win against a pretty good Georgia team. Uh, I think that Ohio State will do it against TCU. I think TCU is going to scare someone in the playoff, though. I, I don't. I think everyone is still writing off this TCU team. I think it's going to be closer against Ohio State than what people think. And then I think the Buckeyes are actually going to do it against Georgia. I think that Georgia's a little overrated this year, um, and I, I think that uh, Ohio State, if they have the chance to get healthy, like I said, I think if, I think if Henderson comes back, what he gives them from the running back spot. Is that that game breaking eighty yard in any rush? You know, Hayden and Williams don't really have that breakout ability. For, you know, with that just elite burst that he does, I think that Ohio State probably takes it home this year.
2: I guess that leaves me. Um, great points, Kev. Honestly, some of that I hadn't really personally thought of I think I would agree that Georgia while they may be a little more vulnerable from last year last year they were kind of written off after their championship game against Bama um, to be honest so it's tough to know I suppose but I think either way they'll make it to the championship game I do think Michigan's going to pull it off tomorrow so that should move Michigan to the two slot for three I think as long as TCU doesn't screw something up and kind of continues forward, they'll probably get the third spot. And I think USC is going to make the fourth spot, to be honest. Um, Cause I think if they beat Notre Dame tomorrow, that's a pretty big national win. That's going to impress the committee somewhat. You know, it's going to come down to some of these conference championship games and how teams look um, ultimately. And then for the championship game, I think um, I would agree that TCU has a chance to surprise People and who would they surprise? Well, they would surprise us. So I think TCU beats Michigan in the semifinal, faces Georgia, and then Georgia wins around two. And it's probably not going to be a fantastic game.
0: Trev, because mine is fairly similar to yours, why don't I go next? You and I are also both forced by our pick in the game to continue on with that thought process. And I guess I will put Michigan behind Georgia at number two. And now before everybody gets on my case, I don't think Michigan's making the championship game. I do not think that is likely, but I have laid the bricks of logic and I must now build the house. Um, So I go Georgia, Michigan. And now here's where it's interesting. I'll break down this part. I, I got TCU at three, but I think that out of the three teams, TCU, Clemson, and USC I think at least two of those teams will drop a game between their last two weeks, Um, whether that's, you know, rivalry game, USC Notre Dame type of situation, whether that's conference championship game, I think two of those three will drop and one of them will get the three spot. I think TCU is the least likely to lose with who they have left to play. So I'll put TCU at three. And then I think by those other two teams dropping one, I think that puts the loser of the game in the best position. And so I would have OSU in the fourth spot there against uh, Georgia in the semifinal. I'll have Georgia beating Ohio State. And then, yep, the Bricks just keep on stacking. Michigan versus TCU is not a matchup where I would pick TCU. I think Michigan would outmatch them in the trenches. So Michigan marches on and gets obliterated by Georgia, Georgia national champions.
1: So when everyone, again, email your thoughts into – first and inches pot at gmail.com make sure you address all these comments to patrick smith okay let's make sure we know who made all of these picks i'm surprised that patrick didn't have ohio state taking down georgia michigan taking down tc or then michigan taking down ohio state for a second time in the championship that would have been the most patrick smith uh pick i've ever seen
0: i thought about it i thought about it i mean the the world would explode if we if if humankind was forced to watch that game, Michigan Ohio State, not only playing each other in the last game of the season in the biggest matchup in like sixteen years but then immediately having to play again a month later in the national championship just i don't I don't think I could do it.
1: I've got a quick question for you while we're just talking about the cultural playoff so let's um and now it's a very specific scenario, so let's say. I think there's a chance Ohio State wins big. So I'm going to say Ohio State wins big. I'm going to say TCU drops wa- drops a game, okay? So they lose. I'm going to also say USC loses and LSU loses. North Carolina beats Clemson. Is there still a road for Bama to get in this? Is it possible that is it possible that Bama still goes to the
0: Oh my god, dude. I mean, in that scenario, your choices left would be Michigan, who got blown out?
1: It would be a blown. It would be a blown out. It'd be an embarrassed Michigan versus Bama.
0: What? why would you pick Bama over all the myriad of two-loss conference champions that you have? Like the SEC, you're saying is who won the SEC?
1: What? What myriad of two-loss champions? Uh,
0: Clemson. uh, Oh, uh, UNC. No, they lost to North Carolina State like 12 and a half minutes ago.
1: Nope. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, what? Do, who what wins, wins the, the SEC team? in your scenario? Georgia. Please don't make me think about this, Kevin.
1: Georgia, Ohio State, TCU, Bama. I think it's possible. I think that is the I think the lowest team. I don't know how this happens every year, but I think the team that is ranked the lowest that actually has a possible chance to go. I think there is a possibility, you know that. Um, I don't want to see it happen. Obviously. I'm a Michigan alumni, but i I think there's a chance with a blowout that that Bama goes.
0: i
3: that that's crazy to even think about that that's even possible. That might break me as a it's
0: college football impossible.
3: fan. <laughs> so
1: just I mean, something to think about. I don't think it's going to happen. I think that there's it's too much, you know, crazy chaos going on, but I think there's there's a possibility. That the Bama goes, I think in that scenario, they would probably still let Michigan go just with the one loss and the way that, you know, uh, how far back Bama is. But I think if it's I think if it's a terrible loss, people might point to the week schedule and, you know, a little SEC cooking. Never so on first that.
0: and inches. We are proud to leave you with the saddest thoughts imaginable. We aim only to serve uh archit trevor big thanks to you guys for joining us this was a lot more fun than just having to deal with kevin's nonsense alone forever uh so thank you boys uh we have kept you up late archit has a drive down to ground zero columbus tomorrow morning um and i have you know seven to ten hours of sleepless tossing in my bed trying to get through the night until tomorrow Appreciate
2: you guys. This is a lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks guys. A good time.
0: All right. Why don't we end it with any final words? I'm going with go blue.
1: Yeah. Go blue. I, I hope I'm
2: wrong. You're always wrong, Kev. I'm not worried.
0: All right. Thanks guys. As always, first in inches, we are brought to you by Milwaukee tool, nothing but heavy duty enjoy yourselves out there tomorrow on what is the biggest day of the college football season thus far with the biggest game of the year.